Moving by Emma Catherine. September 3rd. My house is doing things it shouldn't. It moans and sighs at night because sometimes it decides to move. It shifts and changes and I wake up to discover a new door or rooms where there weren't any before. I fear that I'm imagining this. The dreams are just tricking my senses and on waking I become disorientated, thus mistaking the bathroom door for the entrance to the kitchen. The only way to come to any kind of solid conclusion is to take note. So, this is a journal of every time the house has moved. This is not the first time. Before now, there have been a handful of changes. And for posterity, I'll catch this journal up by forming a simple list. 1. A trapdoor appeared in the living room. It tried to open to a basement I do not have, instead leading to a dank hole in the ground. It was gone by morning. 2. My bathroom changes layout at least once a fortnight. On a normal day, it has a shower. On others, just a basin with a large silver jug sitting next to it. 3. A beautiful library took up residence in my study for over a week. I was sad to see that go. 4. My living room wallpaper has changed too many times to count. I've stopped noticing when it does, and I barely remember what was there in the first place. 4. The worst. When my staircase vanished entirely, and I was stuck upstairs for a morning. I do not know what brought my stairs back, or even how it happened, but I have never been more relieved when I stepped out of my bedroom that afternoon and I could rush down to my kitchen and eat breakfast five hours later than initially anticipated. Today, a hallway I have never seen has opened up between my living room and dining room. It's a long, thin corridor that passes behind the kitchen and opens into the dining rooms I've never used. I've left the door open on the other end because I'm afraid that if I close either door, it might vanish and I could end up stuck on the inside. I can't always tell how long these things last. The stair incident was only a few hours, although it felt like more, but the library went on for a week. The faded mauve wallpaper is peeling at the edges. No pictures line these walls. Electric lights emit a soft glow. A smell of food lingers like a memory. Not one of mine, of course. Someone else's. I think it must have been a servant's passage, bringing food from the kitchen to the dining room and removing empty plates while remaining as unseen as possible. It seems the most likely. Stupid of me to naively assume that no servants had ever been to work and live in my huge home. At the time, when I bought it, I knew that this home would be too big for just me. A small voice in my head had told me that this would be a waste, that I should have housed a growing family, not a newly divorced loner. But pride had won out over common sense, and I'd gotten it for a steal. Next time I come downstairs, the phenomenon has gone. The living room is back to normal, as is the kitchen. September 14th. This morning, I've awoken to discover a baby's cot in my bedroom. It's grand and beautiful and filled with neatly folded blankets. Nothing looks used, like someone built it overnight as I slept. The craftsmanship is exquisite. Someone built this with love and care. The tidy blankets and sheets sit, waiting. This cot is hope 
and expectations and wishes and dreams for the future. I reach down and touch the soft wood. It's a pale yellow, gender neutral for someone who neither knew nor cared what sex the child would be. I pulled my fingers back as if I've crossed a line I shouldn't have. Something inside hurts. I think of my failed marriage and angry divorce in this empty house. Moving out and moving on was supposed to make me feel better. It was supposed to make me forget. This is irrelevant, and I shouldn't be including it in these notes. With any luck, the cot will be gone by the time I've showered and dressed. It's not. September 17th. The cot was not there when I got up this morning. I tried ignoring it for three days, but it remained. Last night, I drank too much wine and wept over it. I held the tiny blanket to my face, inhaling a scent that was never there. Sometime after midnight, I passed out on the wooden floor, but around seven I pulled myself into bed. When I eventually got up, hung over, and with a mouth like an ashtray, it was finally gone. Unlike anything else that has appeared, moved or vanished in the house over the last year, there was evidence left behind this time. A light outline of dust marked where the item had been. Anyone who didn't know it had been there wouldn't have noticed it, but I did. It was as clear as the cot itself had been. I swept and vacuumed the entire room immediately. September 30th. Last night I had a date over. Third date, technically. We met at one of my work colleagues' birthday parties and agreed to a drink after. Then there had been a dinner, and last night was another dinner, plus drinks at the house. As I led my date into the house, I discovered a large, old-looking rug in the entrance hall. My guest was polite and described it as an interesting piece, which would have given them another tick in my dating book, but I could barely focus. I couldn't stop staring at the rug. Almost every room on the ground floor is connected by the hallway, which meant I could see it no matter which room I stood in. My date told me stories of their career and friends, but all I could think of was the addition to the house. For a very brief moment, I considered revealing the house's secret. My secret. I decided not to. Instead, I led them upstairs and we had sex. As we passed through the hall, I tried to discern if the large patch of red in the centre of the rug was part of the pattern or a disquieting stain. The sex was awkward and clumsy. In the morning, it became clear that I would not be getting a fourth date. I politely walked my guests to the door to kiss them goodbye and lie about having had a nice time. The red patch has grown. It's not part of the pattern. October 13th. On the upstairs landing, an old phone has become fixed to the wall. It's one of those old-fashioned ones with an earpiece that you hold to your ear and a mouthpiece is fixed to the actual phone. If I was an admirer of antiques, I would probably be quite impressed by it. The phone rings three times, every hour on the hour. Three rings from someone who doesn't realise that the previous owner of this phone doesn't live here anymore. I already have a phone in the house, not counting my mobile. It's cordless and sits on a base in the living room. When the antique phone rings, it does not. To test the fit theory, I try calling in my phone from my mobile. The cordless rings. The antique does not. 
Again on the hour the phantom phone rings with three sharp bells. I do not answer the call. I'm not an idiot. No good can come from answering that phone. Beside me, my phone rings and vibrates. My former spouse's name flashes up on the screen. Again, I do not answer. They wait longer than three rings before giving up. After this, the antique phone does not ring. The next time I go upstairs, it's gone. October 23rd. The cot has reappeared. It doesn't look like it did the last time. The blankets have been shredded. Soft yellow is streaked with grime. The legs are broken and some of the beautiful carvings have been scratched and scored out angrily. I did not touch it this time. October 27th. This morning the cot's not there. Instead it's something worse. Wooden boards are covering the bedroom door and windows. They look as though they had been hammered up in a hurry. From the inside, too. I woke to darkness and panic. It was only as I looked for the hammer that I noticed that the cot was gone. It was a bittersweet moment, realising that one instrument of torture had been neatly replaced with another. I sit now, writing in this journal, praying that these apparitions will vanish as quickly as the servant's passage did, and that it will not be here as long as the library. I sit now, and am punished by my own sparse living as I discover that there is next to nothing of use in my bedroom. Three books I've already read, clothes I don't care for, and a mobile phone with no charger. My battery reads 23%. Enough to reach out for help if I need it. I know that I don't, though. This will vanish. It will vanish at some point. I know that it will. The rest did. I just have to be patient. October 28th. The boards still keep me in my own bedroom. I'm very hungry and I've had to piss in an empty water bottle I found in an old backpack in my wardrobe. For the size of the rest of this house, I suddenly realise how small this room is. So many rooms I don't use, but the one I do is the smallest. My phone battery is at 11%. October 29th. My, my battery is 3%. No one's called me. The antique phone has reappeared in the hallway. I hear it ring. Three times, every hour, on the hour. I, I ate one of my books today. It, it wasn't a very good one anyway. October 30th. My phone is dead. The antique phone still rings. I have no books left. The boards will stand. They'll, they'll finish, vanish soon. They have to. October 31st. My baby, my baby, your baby, my baby, my baby.